Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Praise God, praise God. Who's feeling the leftover stuffing, turkey? Who had some apple pie with ice cream? They didn't have vanilla ice cream at our house. They had Oreos or something. I was like, that's cheating. That's not what we should do here. You've failed my Thanksgiving. It's funny, I just saw the Christmas invitation up on screen. You have no idea how many takes that took. It was, in all the years we've been doing videos, one of the worst. My wife and I would just look at it. We just couldn't get it together. It was... Thank God for an editing team who makes you look good. But let me tell you, behind the scenes, that video was an absolute disaster. <laughs> Praise God. Keeping it real here at Church Alive. Amen. Come on. <laughs> behind the scenes. <laughs> Let's go. Joshua chapter 4, verse 20. Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones. Someone say 12 stones. They had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Someone say dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what He had done to the Red Sea when He dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Come on, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. I thank you for the children in our kids' space. I thank you for teenagers in this place and men and women, young men, young women. God, I thank you for those who watch online. I thank you for an incredible team of people that makes this place an amazing place. I thank you for everyone who serves, everyone who is showing up for the very first time, those who lead, those who pour in, those who pray, those who give. I thank you for them, God. And I believe for a significant, significant season in the life of our church. Lord, I declare, Lord, not because of our works or our performance, but I declare your blessing because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed upon a cross died 2,000 years ago, risen from the dead. I declare your blessing because of His righteousness, not ours. I declare His blessing, Lord, not because our performance, but because of your performance. I declare families and lives blessed. I declare men strong and women strong in this place. I declare depression leaving, anxiety leaving. I declare, Lord God, people stepping into their purpose. I declare destiny and breakthrough of this house, God. Lord, because You are, God, the God who brings breakthrough. So Father, in Jesus' name, bless this place. Lord, let angels minister the heirs of salvation, Father. Lord, let a spirit of breakthrough be about this place, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, come on if you believe it. Come on, give the Lord a shout. Oh. Come on, grab your seat, grab your seat. Tell the person next to you, you just look amazing. Gosh. What did you do? 
What did you eat on Thanksgiving? You look amazing. I feel like breakthroughs in the house and didn't even, haven't even started preaching yet. It's good, it's going to be a good Sunday. Recently, around Resilient Woman, my wife said to me, she felt like the Lord led her to the book of Joshua. And you know, how many know anywhere in the Bible's good? Right? Um, some people ask, what's the best translation? It's probably the one you read. What's the best book of the Bible? It's probably the one you're in. Right, just be in somewhere, but sometimes God will lead you actually specifically to a certain book. And um, oh, I was like, you know, I feel that the Lord's asking me to read the book of Joshua. And so, as she said that, I was like, well, that sounds good to me. So I'll 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 copy her. I'm okay with that. I don't have to just make it up all the time, right? I'm like, well, I'm reading Proverbs. You need to be reading Proverbs. I don't care. And uh, so anyway, I jumped into the book of um, Joshua. And then at men's prayer on a Wednesday morning at 6 a.m., a number of men gather and, and I felt like the Lord actually gave me a specific word around Joshua chapter 3 and chapter 4 that that was the season we were in, that we were in a season of breakthrough. And I shared that with our staff, those who work for the church, and then I shared it with our men's transform leaders. And, and interestingly, I, I, I kind of said something. I just said, hey, I feel like to our staff, I said, I feel like we're in a season of breakthrough. And have you ever said something and realized that you said something? Like I didn't feel like I was saying something in particular. I just said something. And as I said something, it was almost like I felt the grace of God as I said it, not because I thought it and thought it was profound, but I just said it. And I was like, huh. As I said it to our team, I felt the grace of God. And I went, wow, I just said something without knowing I was saying something. Then I really knew the Lord was saying something. And uh, let me share you what a breakthrough is. A breakthrough is a sudden, dramatic, and important discovery or development. Some would say sudden. Some would say dramatic. Some would say important. The book of Joshua, in many ways, is a book about breakthrough. Joshua is a breakthrough leader. He is an incredible leader that really allows the people of God to step into all that God has for them. He, he does very, very little wrong. Let me give you a little backtrack if you're not familiar just with the biblical narrative. Um, God calls a man by the name of Abraham to become the father of the faith and he has a son called Isaac and Isaac has Jacob and Jacob has 12 sons. He's a busy boy, some say busy. He's a busy boy and they become a nation and then out of that nation actually comes Joseph and Joseph blesses the nation but a man by the name of Pharaoh basically impoverishes the nation, holds it captive for 430 years and really when they can do nothing on their own, God sends a man by the name of Moses and Moses actually helps them through signs and wonders and miracles come out of a place of slavery and then they have to wander through the wilderness and what is really a 12-day journey discouragingly becomes a 40-day journey. Oh, sorry, a 40-year journey. How many know that's not good, right? Like, it, it should take us 12 days. How many know 40 years later, like, are we there yet? <laughs> Before, like, the Simpsons ever said, are we there yet? With Bart Simpson, it was the Israelites saying, are we there yet? And Moses was like, no, we're not. Be quiet or I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> he basically had to babysit the Israelites for 40 years, but as he's about to die, he passes on the leadership to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 10 says this, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people get through 
go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Someone say, get ready. I've often found if you get ready, you'll be ready. Amen. Three days from now, you'll cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession. Someone say, take possession. Someone say, it's not going to be handed to me. They had to take possession. They literally had to go in there and take it. God's going to do it all for me. He's like, no, I'm going to do some of it for you, but I need you to go in there, in there and take possession of the land. You're going to fight for what is yours. It's, it's just the, right? In the Garden of Eden, there was no fight. And then they lost it. And how many know since then, there's been a fight. There's been a fight to be blessed and there's been a fight to hang on to what God has for you. In Joshua chapter one, he tells the people, get ready. Someone say, get ready. Then Joshua 2, he actually sends spies into the promised land and they spy out the land and they're literally going in ninja style and if they don't do it ninja style, they will die. And then Joshua chapter 3 verse 12 says this, this is uh, Joshua speaking, he says, now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carried the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now, let me just give you a tiny bit of context. They have crossed the Red Sea. That was basically between Egypt and the desert. Now to actually go from the desert into the promised land, they have to cross one more river, and this is the River Jordan. And uh, how many know with 1.5 million people and none of them have like been to the YMCA and they don't have like swim lessons, they don't have a boat, they don't have, like, uh, they can't just build a bridge. They have to cross a river that they cannot cross with 1.5 million people and a bunch of kids. They can't just run to Walmart and get floaties. Like, hey, we're just stopping at Walmart, hey, get some floaties. No, they are literally at a place of impossibility. Someone say impossibility. impossibility. They're at a place of impossibility. They cannot cross. And Joshua says, don't worry, take 12 men and I want you to take 12 men. I want you to carry the presence of God. And then I want you to literally walk into a flooded river. I mean, you, know, you don't walk into flooded rivers. Not many of you know that. No. <laughs> like when this thing across here, what's this called again? The Passaic River. How many know you just don't go in there anyway? <laughs> just a hint. But if the Passaic is flooded, how many you know you don't just stand there like an idiot, waist high, and go, I hope it takes me away? And this is what the, the leaders of Israel are called to do. So verse 14 says this, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the sea of the, Re of the Araba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood in the middle of the, of the Jordan, sorry, and stood on dry ground, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing over on dry ground. Someone say dry ground. 
It's a, it's, it's a flooded river. It's, historians tell us it's probably 100 feet wide. It's about 10 feet deep. They are to literally take the ark of the presence of God and they are to walk into this water kind of about waist high and God begins to do what they cannot do and He basically starts to stop up the river at a place. And, and it's not just the only miracle that the river all of a sudden stops during a flooding season they literally walk in on dry ground. Like it's, they, God's part of the water, which is pretty cool. But then how many know if you're going to walk through a river that's been so wet, you're going to kind of come up to your knees and you're going to be sinking and God actually makes it like this paved concrete for them. And they literally walk past the presence of God while 12 men are carrying the presence of God. And they walk past, they're going to follow the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God. And they're going to walk past these 12 men who are carrying the presence of God themselves. And they get this divine lesson as they're walking through this impossible place, is that it is the presence of God. It is the presence of God as the marker of the Christian. It is the presence of God that is the marker of a church. It is the presence of God that marks a worship team. It is the presence of God that actually needs to mark a family. It's the presence of God that leads the people of God into the breakthrough. I mean, if you get anything out of this house, I pray one of the things you get is, man, I need His presence. I can't just follow me and a good idea. God gives you a brain to think. God gives you wisdom to follow. But there are times in your life that you can't do anything but say, God, if you're not with me, I cannot pass and I cannot accomplish all that you have for me unless you do something in my life. They carried His presence. What I also get about this is they were dependent on right men. Someone say dependent. There's 12 men carrying the ark of his covenant. And sometimes when you hear a sermon, let's be honest, I do this sometimes, I individualize it. So I might be reading the book of Joshua and if you're not careful, you can just assume you're Joshua. You ever read the Bible before and all of a sudden you always become the hero in the story? You're reading about David and you literally go, oh, that's what I need to do. Well, who made you David? But what I like about this story is 12 men, we don't even know their names. And they stand in the River Jordan while God is doing this significant miracle. But there's 12 of them together holding the presence of God. And they actually have to rely on each other. And so they, each of them realizes that this one's valuable. And this one's valuable. And this one's valuable. How many know if you drop the presence of God, it's not good? There was other moments in Scripture when, when one guy, he dropped the presence of God and God taught him a little lesson. He didn't live anymore. So 12 men are literally dependent. Someone say dependent. They are dependent on one another because of giftings, because of who they are, and they carry the presence of God together. I was thinking about that when it comes to like our kids' team. Ed leads our kids' team, but how many know Ed can't do it by himself? Pastor Magno leads our worship team, but how many know he can't do it by himself? We have so many people who do things for this house. Our, our, our um, mission, tree, mission team is over in the Dominican Republic, and 
None of the pastors are there. But they're just going and they're doing it. And they're carrying the presence of God and they need one another. Our youth team needs one another. Our transformed group team, they need one another. There's a core 10 that carry the team. And, and sometimes someone has the vision, but how many know it all takes all of us? We cannot do what God wants us to do unless we are interdependent and not independent. And many times, many times, hear this now, many times Christians are looking for breakthrough, but they don't want to be dependent on anyone. They want to be part of the breakthrough, but how many know part of the breakthrough is carrying the presence with other people? I'm telling you right now, many of the breakthroughs that happen in this church are not because of me, are actually because so many other people around us. The pastoral team, the prayer team, all the different teams that carry the presence of the Lord. Joshua chapter four says this, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men, someone say 12 men, from among the people, one from each tribe. He does it again, verse three, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you. And uh, verse 20 says this, this is kind of the summation of chapter three and chapter four. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Verse 23, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what He had done to the Red Sea when He dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. I want you to picture this moment. The nation crosses on dry ground. Some would say breakthrough. breakthrough. But then... Joshua does something significant. I think it's important for us to stop for a moment. What does he do? He doesn't just pass the victory and then move on with his life. He gets 12 men, 12 leaders from each of the 12 tribes and he gets them to get this really big stone and he goes on back and they set up this 12 stones so that they would never forget what God did. And then he says this, this critical line, when your sons and your daughters ask, why do we have these 12 stones here? You would tell them that God himself didn't just part the Jordan, but he dried up the ground. And we walked by the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and we came to this place because he did it. We came to this place because he did it. We came to this place because He did it. And sometimes in our lives, let's be honest, one of the powerful lessons of thanksgiving is you pause and you stop. And you start to say, man, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for blessing me with a mother and father. Thank you for giving me... Brothers and sisters, thank you for my job. Thank you. Thank you for my age. Thank you for my, my, the lessons. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think it's so important. 
One of the great lessons you'll have and one of the ways I think that faith is cultivated in your soul is you look back, not on the bad things, not on the heartache, Though the devil would love you to just look back on heartache and pain, he'd love you to look back on, on all the things that have happened to you and you've got to take some time and just look back and set some stones and say, let me not forget that God brought me here. I was thinking about this recently. I was writing down a few thoughts. I was in my devotional time in this week and early this week and just felt like God was giving me some good stuff in my devotion time. and felt like I was getting emotional in my devotion time on Monday and Tuesday and felt the Holy Spirit just there as I was just writing down a lot of the things that God had done in our church. Started to think of the eight people that we sat around in a basement in Rutherford and we met with eight people and that was the start of a small Bible study and, and then later we started a service and that was 37 people, about that, for like two and a half years. Couldn't grow for a lick, like just couldn't, couldn't grow. But I thank God for those lessons because in those lessons there's perseverance in those lessons. In those lessons is a solidifying of the call in those lessons. In those lessons were some spiritual warfare lessons. In those lessons you had to work out your identity in those lessons. In those lessons you had to say, man, I had some big goals, but even if God didn't do it at the timing he, I thought he would do it, doesn't mean he wasn't gonna do it. Maybe he had more lessons to tell me. And when God actually moved our church from Carney to Rutherford, all of a sudden, there's lessons at the Elks Lodge. The Elks Lodge smelt like a bar. And some religious people come in and go, it smells like a bar in here. We're like, yeah, well, we're trying to reach people from the bar. And they relate to it. Now we febrezed it, we cleaned it, we did all we could. But some people would walk past a bar and go, I don't think this is the Holy of Holies. <laughs> well, it wasn't the Holy of Holies. It was a den of iniquity. But by the grace of God on Sunday morning, we used it for the purposes of God. And then the God led us to the Williams Center and we met there for like seven years and then we even went to Clifton. We were there for a year and all the lessons that God led us through and, and then we were kind of frustrated as a church in the Williams Center at the end of our time there and this was about four years ago when a man uh, who, was, who was, uh, came to our church, there were two distinct prophetic words that actually happened before we moved to this location here. One of them was a friend of mine from Australia said, when you move to the new space, he said, it will be an epic shift. And for some reason, those two words, epic shift, just sat in my spirit. I was like, huh, I couldn't get epic shift out of my heart. I was just like, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but the Lord, the Lord is saying to me, when you come over from 400 people from the Williams Center, and all of a sudden there's 2,000 people showing up four years later, how many know that's an epic shift? It's an epic shift and we're going to look back and not just go, man, I'm going to look back on those moments and go, man, thank God that God was guiding us through His presence to break chains that we couldn't break and to go through barriers that we couldn't go through. And He led us through His presence. Another friend of mine, Israel Campbell, he prophesied in our church 
And he said, you're, I, I don't know how to describe this, but he said, he said your church is like a, a Chinese bamboo. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Should I make soup? What should we do? He said, a Chinese bamboo doesn't grow for the first 10 years. But he said, on year 10, it all of a sudden begins to shoot up. It begins to shoot up and you can literally watch it grow and it'll grow to 50 and 100 feet in a short amount of time. But all the while in those 10 years, it was just spreading its roots. And there's very little growth. And I look back on moments like that and I say, man, thank God for that. Thank God for those moments. But I, my wife obviously led Resilient Woman. It was only, was it the third year of Resilient Woman Conference or second year? And I had almost a thousand women. And I look at that and I say, man, God's up to something. We, it's only our second, we had our second year of 252 and 400 men showed up. And those are stones that you set and you say, thank God, God did that. But what's interesting about those moments is they were not yet in the promised land. They were just coming into the promised land. They were not yet at the promised land, but they were passing through a place of impossibility. The Jordan was a place of impossibility and God dried up a place and then they walked through it. But I don't just think of the numbers of our church and the growth of our church. I love the stories of our our church. A man walked up to me recently. He had his daughter on his shoulder and his son on his side. And he just walked past me and said, man, this church is changing my life. And there was something about him having a daughter on his shoulders and a a son right next to him. And they were probably three and six years old. He just looked at me and goes, man, he drives an hour and 15 minutes to get here. He said, this church is changing his life. He even shows up at Men's Transform. He drives an hour and 15 minutes because he just goes, I just need it. Another man recently showed me a letter his wife gave to him. They were on the brink of divorce before they came to this church and showed me his letter. And she said, honey, I just want to let you know I'm so proud of you. You're just becoming the man you, I, I, I knew you could become. And, and it's just raving on him and all kinds of stuff. And thankfully it wasn't too intimate, but <laughs> he showed me that letter. And, and I just thought, man, I just thought that was beautiful. And both of them got baptized this Sunday <laughs> in church. There's a couple in our church who are, 23 and 21 years old and they literally just bought, just got married, just bought their first house. 23, 21 years old, just bought a house, like bosses, just yeah, what's up? And, uh, but I wanted to celebrate that because I felt like one of the things that the Lord has got me to do recently, weirdly enough, is just pray that people would have breakthrough because I think it's better for godly people to own homes than people that don't know anything about God and reject God. You know, Psalm 37 says, the meek shall inherit the earth. It doesn't say the Christian, it says the meek. The meek means immediately obedient. They shall inherit the earth. Psalm 122 verse one says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. How many know the house of the Lord changes you? The house of the Lord teaches you. The house of the Lord is a refuge for you. 
The house of the Lord is the place where you come and you had a bad week, but, and you're like, man, I, I don't know if it's working yet. But you come to the house of the Lord and strength seems to just flow again and hope seems to flow again and encouragement seems to flow again in your life and good things get on you and you start to believe again and hope again and pray again. The house of God reconciles relationships. It heals the soul. And I believe it continues to heal the soul. It's not just a one-time moment. No, it's years. It imparts vision to your mind. The house of God, see, here's one of the things I, I believe. When you take the time to set up the rocks of thankfulness for God's miracles in your life, it gives you a lens of faith to see the future. Let me say it again. When you set up the time to take the time to set up rocks of thankfulness for God's miracles, God's provisions, God's blessings in your life. And listen, friend, you might be here today and you're like, I haven't seen many. Thank God for the little ones. Just start little. It's small sometimes. But if you'll thank God for the little ones, man, I'm telling you, you, there'll be more. In my quiet time, on Monday or Tuesday, how many know sometimes your quiet time shouldn't always be quiet? Sometimes your quiet time needs to get loud. But I was thinking about our house, I was thinking about the breakthroughs that are in our house, and I guess I thought to myself, man, this generation needs some Joshua's who meditate on the Word day and night, that they bring breakthrough where they go. This generation needs 12 men who no one knows their name, but they stand in the middle of the Jordan, relying on one another, but they carry the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the living God, and they look to one another and they depend on one another, but they are the breakthrough for those who are coming behind them. This generation needs some Daniels. It needs some men and women who see with unusual wisdom to solve problems that no one else can solve. We don't just need one type of Christian. We need the multiplicity of Christians. We need the fullness of the body. We need the fullness of the army. This generation needs some Shadrach, Meshachs and Abednegoes who don't bow with a pool of the popular. This generation needs some Josephs who have prophetic insight and business acumen who can solve large problems. This generation needs some Davids who slay their giants and bring victory to many. This generation needs Davids who write the songs of heaven. We need some Jonathans though who are so committed to one another that someone else's promotion is your promotion. We need some Isaiahs who see the Lord high and lifted up and are cleansed from their filth. We need some Noahs who get detailed plans from the Lord and just keep building for a hundred years. We need some Peters who walk in miracles and have visions that reveal a whole new group of people who can meet the Lord. We need some Pauls who are so on mission that they spread the fire wherever they go. We need some Timothys who refuse to bow to fear, but to live a life of integrity.
We need some Epaphroditus's who are brothers, soldiers, fellow workers. We need some Marys who just sit at the feet of Jesus and hear His voice. We need some Marys who say, Lord, let it be done according to me, according to Your will. We need some Nehemiahs who rally people and build and restore in record time. We need some Esthers who change legislation. We need some Solomons who build the temple with the wealth and the wisdom that God gave them. We need Samuels who hear heaven's voice and stay true for his entire life. We need some men who refuse to stay stuck. We need men and women who disciple and pour into the next generation. We need spiritual fathers and mothers that carry the weight of people until they can run their own. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say we need people who can carry a move of God because a move of God is here. It's here, it is a season of breakthrough. Let me say this, it doesn't mean everything's easy just because the season of breakthrough is there. There was struggle in the breakthrough. There was fight in the breakthrough. They crossed the Jordan and you know the 40,000 soldiered, armed up men got ready for battle. Sounds like dead men's bones starting to rattle. Sounds like the wind of the Spirit is starting to blow. Sounds like God is about to breathe again across this house. Ezekiel said, I prophesied and bone came together, bone to bone, flesh to flesh. He said, prophesy to the wind, son of man. He said, I prophesied to the wind and the wind began to blow again and they stood upon their feet, a vast army. Let this building be a place where we saw breakthrough. But we didn't stay here. We set up stones. There were remembrances of all that God did. Some of you in your, in your marriage and in your family, you need some stones, you need to set them up. You need to tell your kids again some of the good things God's done in your life. Where God's taken you and let them be a stone as a remembrance so that they do not forget and you do not forget what God has for you. All across this place, eyes closed. Father, I thank you thank you for your people. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for 
God, what you're doing in this house, I thank you, God, that you are restoring, but you're not just restoring, you are building. You're not just building, you are championing. I thank you, Lord, that you are rising up people who carry your presence, who depend on one another, who hear your word, who are thankful as they do it. God, I pray that each person in this place, where they need it, Help them be the carrier of the presence into the impossible places. Help them carry your presence. And I thank you that you are the God of the breakthrough. Oh, I thank you, Lord. presence we just give him a hand in the house of God can we just take a moment and treat this like it's Thanksgiving come on just thank him for the blessings of the past thank you for the blessings of the past thank him thank him thank him come on we can do better thank him just open your mouth to God and thank God thank God thank God thank God oh we love you Jesus we love you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord eyes closed all across this place maybe you're here today and you've never met Jesus he wants to call you child. He wants to call you son. He wants to call you daughter. He paid the highest price so that he could call you and me sons and daughters of God. The payment's already been made. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, says you shall be saved. It means forgiven. It means that your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. You'll be his son, his daughter. The grace of God will pour out upon your life. Your past will be forgiven. Your future will have purpose. Your present will make sense. He offers you abundant life. He offers you eternal life. Don't reject Him. Accept Him. For God so loved you that He gave His best. That if you would put your trust in Him, you would not perish. You would not live life without God. You would not spend eternity without God but you'd spend eternity with God. So all across this place, I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. And maybe that's you today. You've never received Jesus. Or number two, you know you're away from God and you want to come back to Him. All across this place, we're going to pray a prayer and let that prayer connect you powerfully to the presence of the Lord. Come on, let's pray this. Say, dear Jesus, thank you that you paved the way that I could not cross. I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sin. Come into my life. By your grace, pour out on my life.
Help me follow you for the rest of my days. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I turn from following me to turn to follow you. Eyes closed all across this place. If you did that today, if you made business with God, if you're online today, you did business with God, would you quickly raise your hand, raise it up high all across this place. All across this place, raise it up high. Let me see it. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir, in the back. Thank you. That one in the middle, just high enough, long enough for me to see it. Thank you, that one in the back there. Anyone online today, you can raise your hand just as a faith declaration. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you. Praise God for you. Praise God for you, sir. Praise God for you. That's awesome today. You can put your hand down. Father, bless your people. Strengthen them. Fill them with your spirit. Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Come on, Church Alive. Let's give the Lord a hand one more time. In the house of God. Praise God.